living alleluia grace mercy and peace be to you from god our father and from our lord and our savior jesus christ our text for this morning's message will be taken from john where jesus says i am the resurrection and the life you may be seated let us pray Merciful Father, we give you thanks on this day as we celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus, and his conquering of death. We pray now, Lord, that you would hear our cries in the midst of this world that seems so overwhelmed by death and remind us with the hope of the hope that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service today, I know today is still the season of Epiphany, but it is kind of fun uh, because of what we're talking about today to be focusing in on Easter and to be singing all these wonderful Easter hymns and hearing these marvelous Easter scripture readings today as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the good news that Jesus is no longer dead, but he has in fact conquered death. And in doing so, he makes us this promise that we hear today. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Marvelous phrase, a marvelous promise really from Jesus today. For here the voice of Jesus is sort of baptizing you with this promise that for you death is not the end. That death is a defeated foe. And Jesus, the author of life, will make sure that your story does not end in the grave. But in your waters of baptism, he, he has written your name into the book of life, and you will live with him forever. So these are really wonderful promises that we have from Jesus Christ today, that he is the resurrection and the life. And as I was preparing the message this week, I was really struck by the place where Jesus was when he made this promise. Because as Jesus claims to be the resurrection and the life, he's standing by a tomb. He's in a graveyard. He's at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and as he stands at that tomb, he is surrounded by all the pain and all the suffering that death brings. There he looks on the tomb, and inside of that tomb is the corpse of his dear friend. Standing next to him is our, are his other dear friends, Mary and Martha, and they're frustrated with him for not having shown up sooner to do something about this. Surrounding Mary and Martha are all the townspeople who have come out to console them in the midst of their sorrow and their pain. And as Jesus stares at that grave and as Jesus is surrounded by all the suffering and sorrow and pain that death brings, it hits him. If we were to read it further on in the Gospel of John, if we were to read further on in chapter 11 today, we would hear this very profound and remarkable verse, which is also the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Surrounded by all of this death and this suffering and this sadness and this frustration, the text says, Jesus wept. He wept. He wept because of death. Because for Jesus, he knows the truth that death is our enemy. And so he claims a promise against death, that he is the resurrection and the life. And that's a promise 
that we need to hear more and more in our culture, I'm afraid. Because it's sometimes hard for us to hear Jesus' remarkable promise of life in this culture we're living in. It's really, as you look at it more and more, we could say that right now we are living in a culture of death, where death is all around us. There are times at which even this enemy is celebrated. We live in a culture now uh, where killing of children in the womb is seen as a good and a right you have heard, I'm sure, about the law allowing for late-term abortions there in, in New York, and people are clapping and celebrating over this. It used to be in this world that when you talked about the womb, you were referring to the place of safety and growth and nurture. And now it's a battleground, and the children are the ones suffering. And I know we're sad and frustrated because of this late-term abortion rule that's kind of been brought into place, but the reality is late-term or early-term, either way, it's the ending of a life. Death is all around us. We've seen in the last year the suicide rates have skyrocketed. They're much higher than they have ever been in the past, as far as we can tell. And it's only going to get worse as people continue to push for this concept of assisted suicide, which is just another way a nice word for, for murder, I suppose. We see people take out their aggressions in this world by shooting up schools or, or movie theaters or something like this. We see aggressive school shootings all around us. I mean, in our society, the fifth commandment has basically become a joke. Now, let's make no mistake, all of these are blatant sins. They are things that make the devil smile. And we must understand that the taking of life is not your job and it is not my job. And yet it is something that is celebrated by this culture. And I have to wonder, why is that? Why does the culture pursue such things and celebrate such things and look for such things? And I fear it's because far too often in this world, we think that death is the end and that takes away our hope. So there's a great... Uh, there's a great lack of hope in our world. So many people operate with hopelessness. Death and hopelessness seem to go hand in hand. And even if we're not just talking about the horrifying culture of death around us, we still know about the pain of death ourselves. Even when death comes to us in what I guess we could call today the normal way, we know the heartache and the sadness and the pain that accompany it. I think this is one of those passages in Scripture where we do not have a hard time identifying uh, with the people that are in it, especially with Mary and Martha. We know what it's like to be Mary and Martha by the bed of a loved one as they're suffering and crying out to Jesus, if you had only been here, you could have done something about it. We know what it's like when God just seems so absent from our sorrows and our pains. If you had only been here, Lord, Sometimes we feel guilty for saying it. Sometimes we feel justified in saying it. Sometimes we just say it in anger. Sometimes we just say it in sorrow. And sometimes we say it because we feel completely hopeless. If you had been here, Lord, you could have done something about this. And so Jesus stands where it seems that death is reigning by a tomb. And Jesus wept. But that's not all he does. He also does something about it. But what he does about it is very strange to us. 
Because what Jesus does about death, at least in the reading from John today, is when he sees death, Jesus decides it's time to preach. Jesus preaches. And what's really striking is the audience he preaches to, the congregation for the sermon that day, happens to be a man who has been dead for four days. Jesus preaches to Lazarus. Now again, we didn't get to this part of the passage, but what happens next in this account that we had this morning is Jesus arrives four days after Lazarus has been laid in the grave. And as he stands there, he's surrounded by all these people weeping, and he's weeping, and the whole thing is just full of sorrow and pain. And then Jesus sees that stone rolled in front of the tomb. And here's something you need to understand about Jesus. When Jesus sees stones rolled in front of tombs, it never stops him from doing work. All right? So he sees this stone in front of the tomb. He sees all the people standing around him. And he looks at him and he says, okay, move the stone away. And now I love this part. Uh, Martha, uh, the sister of the dead man, comes to Jesus and says, uh, time out, Lord. By this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. I prefer the King James Version of this verse, by the way. Uh, uh, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> but Jesus pays no mind. He doesn't like the odor of death, but he pays no mind. He just steps up to his pulpit there. He opens his earth-creating, life-giving, death-defeating mouth. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. There in that place of death. Jesus spoke life. There in the field where tombs are filled with bodies, Jesus speaks resurrection. And as he stood at the open tomb and he watched his friend walk out alive, he told this people standing by, unbind him and let him go. And I like to think of that, that scene right there, that Jesus isn't just really uh, talking to the people around him. He's also got an eye on death. And he looks death square in the eye and he says, unbind him and let him go. And death, along with the bystanders, had no choice but to listen. See, in this world where it seems that death is reigning and at times God seems so uh, absent, Jesus' announcement to be the resurrection and the life is the light at the dawn at the end of a very dark night. And what Jesus shows us today in this raising of Lazarus is that he will not put up with death forever, for he is the resurrection and the life. And what he did for Lazarus there actually for us becomes a greater preview of what he is going to accomplish more fully in a number of days after this event, when Jesus himself will rise from the dead, when the resurrection and the life will come back to life after having died. For you see, though Jesus hates death's odor, he decided to enter into death in order to defeat it. You can think of death as sort of this foul, rancid beast that saw Jesus hanging on the cross and thought to itself that now here's a nice meal. And it swallowed up Christ whole. But what death failed to realize is that it only has power over sinners. And Jesus was without sin. And so Jesus, as it were, sort of like poison for death death swallowed jesus and poisoned and jesus poisoned death so that death had to spit jesus back out and the beast died and christ was victorious 
and he conquered death forever so that we can cry out on Easter that wonderful phrase, he is risen. Very good. And what is more, not only did Jesus rise from the dead, he did it for you. You who feel as though death is winning, you who are mourning in the shadow of death, you who feel so lost in the valley of the shadow of death, you who lament in sorrow over the pain that death brings, you who fear that it seems that death is winning the day in our world, understand this, that when Christ rose from the dead, he promised to overcome and undo all of that. Like Though we suffer now and it's painful now, joy will come in the morning and it will overwhelm the pain of death. In another spot, Jesus likens it to when a mother gives birth. There is pain in the process of giving birth, but finally when the mother is holding that child in her arms, she knows nothing but love and joy. In the same way, the resurrection of Jesus overwhelms the pain of death for us. For you see, the resurrection of Christ is only the beginning. He's the first to walk out of the grave. But when he baptized you, he poured that death poison all over your head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now though death attacks you, it will ultimately have to spit you out. And you, like if you die before Christ returns, you, like Lazarus, will have Jesus call you from the grave. For us who are still here as we are now when Christ returns, our bodies will be changed and we will enter into glory. But for those who have died, Jesus will come back and he will stand over the graves of all the saints and Jesus will say, come out, and he will look death straight in the eyes. And as death cowers in fear, Jesus will say, unbind her, unbind him and let them go. For I am the resurrection and the life and you, death, are done forever. And all the pain and all the suffering and all the abortion and suicide and evil and sorrow that death brings will be undone. And you who have been baptized and believe will stand forgiven and free from death forever. For he is risen. And he is the resurrection and the life for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we hate death and we thank you for life that Jesus only gives. We pray this day, Lord, that in the face of so much suffering and sorrow in this world, you would give us hope and that your son's words would be light for us in this dark place. Sustain us in our faith, Lord, and bring us with him into life everlasting. And we thank you for the promise that you will do it. In Jesus' name, amen.